0: Content, information, and opinions expressed during the related show are those of the show personalities and guests alone, and not those of Vic Kanellis Media Group, its parent affiliates, or stations. VCMG
1: Live is not responsible for any content, information, or opinions expressed. User bears full responsibility for their reliance on such content, information, or opinions.
2: Here we go once again, Monday night time for Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsama. We are live in the studio, ready to have a great show. Ira? Been an eventful week for you, a little bit. Been traveling back and forth to Miami a few times.
1: Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, in the weather. I mean, if people who are listening to the show and not down in South Florida, we had like a tropical storm, hurricane, and really going. Yeah. yeah. So I saw Saturday. I saw the Miami Hurricanes, which is a name, appropriate name, I would say, to see it played against Lasalle, a friend of the show, Frank Duffy, a good friend of mine. Uh, they played. It was it was actually super exciting. Lasalle almost a 14-point underdog. It almost pulled the upset. So I went there, and the next day I drive down. Now that was through two rainstorms down there and back. <laughs> But then yesterday for the Dolphin game, I mean, it was raining. And then by like 11 or 12, it was like perfect weather for that game. Perfect weather for the Dolphins. And you know, the one thing about Dolphins, supposedly when they love it, when after you have a big storm, Dolphins come out, they enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So the Dolphins enjoyed it. But I don't think Jets enjoy like after a storm. So they yeah, were...
2: The jets were grounded for, for takeoff. Yes, from
1: doing <laughs> that storm. We'll, we'll
2: talk all about that coming up. No, I think you were kind of crazy because the projections on like Saturday morning were saying it was going to rain to like three, four five in the afternoon. But it kind of worked out perfectly. Because it wasn't even that hot, though. That's one of the reasons I I don't go to many Dolphins games because usually. Just bake in the sun, but it worked out perfect for you.
1: Yeah, and I you know when I saw what the weather is, I bought my ticket earlier on Saturday when I said, Boy, I think the weather's gonna be nice. I don't think ticket prices will rise. Now they sort of stayed the same. I could have probably waited a little bit, but I bought it a little earlier. I bought it when I was at the hurricane game because I'm like, you know, the weather looks like it's gonna be perfect for the game, so I better buy it now. Don't wait.
2: Worked out perfectly. Good friend of the show, Rodney Orr, is gonna join us around seven forty. Tell us about Rodney. Just
1: getting a tighter insider. He's the Alabama expert. We're gonna have someone from uh, Michigan, Washington, Texas on, and this is the first one from Alabama just getting ready for. the college football playoffs. So exciting for the Rose Bowl. Remember, they played on the first against uh, Michigan in the Rose Bowl.
2: Um, Ira on Sports. Follow them across social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We've got you covered at Ira on Sports. So we'll we'll start with the Miami Dolphins, Ira. You were there, and man, the Jets... It's interesting knowing a lot of Jets fans, being from New York, because every week it's like, this is our week. You know, If we just win out, we'll make the playoffs, Rodgers coming back. I'm glad that that's finally put to rest with the, one of the ugliest games I've ever seen.
1: They, I think the Jets fans are still in denial, because they still think that even though this is eliminated from the playoffs, well, if this happens and this happens, like they are totally in out. I, I out. So the story is this. I'm there at the game. It is nothing. They have done, at that point, the Dolphins had five sacks and the Jets had four yards. This game was over. That was becoming a my friend texted me. Dolphins, the Jets are second half team. And I'm like, that's like sitting at the <laughs> beach. That's sitting at the beach, storm coming all over, black clouds all over the place, and someone's saying, I think it's gonna blow over. I'm like, it's not blowing <laughs> over. Like, you're gonna get soaked on this beach. I mean, I was so shocked at 24 0 When I came back at halftime, I went underneath it for the suite at the Lexus Club underneath come out. When I saw the Jets act, I, I was like, maybe the Jets aren't gonna come out for the second half. Well, Zach Wilson did come out, but the rest of the Jets did come out.
2: And there was kind of kind of controversy around that, too. Some people were Saying it was a fake injury and they pulled him from the game. I don't know if we ever got any clarification. It was a head injury, but not a concussion. But then he's not coming back. I, I don't know what happened. If anybody who saw
1: the game knows that he he was sacked five times, hit all the times. I have these videos. If you watch these pictures, they're amazing. Like he literally took the snap and he's like running with the ball, like trying to get to the sideline before someone smashes him. It was like his offensive line has said we're just taking the game off. Like they did not care. Mackay
2: Becton all. did not seem to want to be there at all. <laughs> Bradley Chubb took advantage of of him. And it
1: was disgusting. Bradley Chubb looked like and all the money they paid, and there there's questions about it. I mean, this was the type of game where it was just it was. Unbelievable how much pressure, and it's like there were sometimes they got a sack, and they could have given the sack to five players, like the entire line <laughs> team sack. They're all there, they're all through, and because I have a picture of like the Jets offensive line just standing there, and all the Dolphins are over Zach Wilson, like <laughs> they So he is. I think in one game he has, he probably just said I'm done. Half of you
2: know, and that was something to me too. But before before the season started, Jets fans, we got Aaron Rodgers, we're going to the Super Bowl. I'm looking at it like your offensive line is worse than the Giants. That's saying something. They're really bad. I didn't think Aaron Rodgers was going to be able to hold up. He made it four plays. But (laughs) regardless, uh, things are a mess there. Do you want to talk about the experience getting to the stadium, getting in because you like Dolphin Stadium for that aspect. You kind of get in and out.
1: I'm sold on the yellow parking. I swear. The only thing is the side, like I park on that yellow lot. You just go right off the turnpike. You go to I-75, the turnpike, is, it's exit 2X. The stupidest numbers and everything. Yeah. But once you go there, you just park right there and then you're right there. And everyone pays a fortune to park in orange, but you can just park in yellow and just walk over the bridge. It's the easiest thing to do. I and I, So just to go in there, I liked the atmosphere. I did not see the tailgating, even though it was beautiful outside. I don't think people were ready for the mm-hmm. game in terms of what the ray would be. But you get this steam early. The Dolphins were not practicing earlier. That's the one thing. I got there two hours before, and the Dolphins weren't out there. But I suppose they came out earlier because Hill gave it a try. People yeah. said he was running around. Said he yeah, didn't they moved go. him out
2: around like 10.30 in the morning.
1: Right. But then I saw – but it was fun to be there and see Aaron Rodgers. Like I got a video we got on into my Instagram of him throwing a pass, probably the only pass I'll throw this year actually in <laughs> his sweats, walking around. Zach Wilson walking around. And then you can see uh, Stephen Ross and Woody Johnson. I think Stephen Ross is worth $10 billion. Woody Johnson worth three and a half. So you got got $13.5 billion talking. I like with the owners talk before the game, and then Saul and McDaniel, they're very close friends. They coached in the Texans together, so they were talking yeah, together, friend. and they were they were really so that was that that aspect was, was pretty was pretty fun. So I enjoyed that. And my one other little story about it is that so behind me, there was this in the middle of the game, there's this fight between these fans. What I wouldn't call it fight, it was like an argument, screaming. It was like two dolphin fans were fighting. So there was not even you expect that with the Jets fans. Mm-hmm. It was really two dolphin fans. The Jets were sort of docile, I think, when they would have So they're arguing, pushing, whatever, screaming behind me. And then the one fan goes, just start. Yelling and then ran down like to get security. Well, security came with like five security officers. They walk up and they're looking for like the fan. I guess they were identified and they looked at this one fan. They go, turn around, and they made him turn around because I guess they said he was wearing a Zach Thomas jersey. <laughs> so that's the guy with this. So the thing is, if you're gonna get in a fight with a fan, we're like a two jersey yeah. because there was lots of two jerseys. He's the only fan in the section with a Zach Thomas jersey. They go, you're coming with us. But then they let him go, which is they brought him well, down. Well, they let him stay. Yeah, well, they took him downstairs. That. They took him down. He was gone for 15 minutes and he came back and everyone. Was all excited that he came back, and the other fan they wasn't there.
2: So. Interesting how that that planned out. Yeah, if, if you're gonna go assault people at pro sporting sporting events, don't be wear throwback players from the '80s and '90s. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about this game because it was really just disaster from
1: I just want to talk about some fun th- fun things about this game. First of all, is that. You know, I was shocked that the, the, the Dolphins actually had a punt. They got a penalty. You know, they had a number of penalties at this game, which is surprising when they destroy them. But they had to punt. And then uh, when the Jets... Zach Wilson, what is he turning his back? Like, after... That's why he got sacked. He fumbles, because he turns his back, and then they just fumble the ball immediately. Then they score. And then the Jets do a fake punt, which was so stupid. It was so telegraphed. The up person, you could see everyone around us, like, fake, fake. Like, people were screaming fake. And they still ran the fake punt. Of course, that didn't work. And then the Jets were, you know... Th- Another, the Jets had another sack. It seemed like every time the Jets hit the ball it was a sack every single possession Chubb <laughs> had a sack and then the only the fins in the first quarter where Tua had a bad sack remember I told you I'm so concerned you do not want to get Tua get hurt he had a bad sack where he got it's like what just go down just go down don't even try to get a sack like that but then after it was, it was uh, they. That's after that after Wilson got sacked again it seemed like the fourth straight possession they had the Tua to Waddle play was unbelievable he burned beautiful DG, pass. DJ Reed it was a beautiful pass Waddle's move yeah, people on,
2: talk about Tua's arm not being that strong that was a laser beam.
1: I, and you know what? Zach Wilson's arm wasn't that great. You know, I'm at the game and I'm watching Zach, and when he throws, you could see Tua was like, I don't know how many miles per hour, but you could see that Tua was, uh, was throwing much harder than Zach Wilson was. So, whatever they say about Zach Wilson. he's supposed arm, to
2: be big arm Zach Wilson. Yeah, yeah. I, it was not.
1: Tua is, it is, it was much faster with that, but Waddle ran a great route, and DJ Reed was totally burned. And the fact that the Jets had no, they have one speedster, and they don't have anyone back there to guard Waddle. It's like, it was unbelievable that Waddle had 150 yards for the game. And then, uh, then the then the Finns drove down again. 11 play drive. Mostart ran in, and at the, that final drive, the Jets were calling out Like they, it's seventeen nothing. What are you trying to do to get the ball back? Like just regroup. Like <laughs> yeah, get to the locker like, room, get guys. Get to the locker room. <laughs> and, so the, and it was so funny. They had a minute to go, and they still punted the ball. Like they were so pathetic on offense. They called it so they could get a minute left, and they still had to punt. So it was twenty-four nothing. And I said, when I came back out, I said I was surprised the Jets were still there. I couldn't believe like they were still there. And then the Jet and, the, and the Dolphins in the second half, they just sort of just sort of ran the clock out took a couple of field goals and, and it was just a, and uh, it was just that Trevor Simeon was the quarterback and he was did a terrible job. Tua 21 for 24, only three misses, 224 yards, a touchdown, and Waddle eight 142. And you know the one thing is that a chain was healthy and, and Most healthy. They didn't break any of those long runs, but they were so close. Like if you're at the game you're like, oh just miss one more tackle mm-hmm. and that's why they're so good Most are and a chain together. And Chubb was two tackles for a loss, a fumble recovery. He leads the league now with six forest fumbles and and uh, that was about it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers. The one thing I watched Aaron during the whole game, and I did not see him on TV. You see him engaged more. I did not see him as he had a headset on, was sitting, was staying there. But I saw him talking to Garrett Wilson a couple times. I did not see him talk to Zach Wilson during the first half, and I didn't see him as engaged as, as, as expected that I would that I would from my when I saw him on TV. But when you're there, just you know, watching, taking pictures, and look at him, he sort of just he was watching the game, but he wasn't like engaged talking to
2: him. Interesting. Yeah, they, they don't show when he's just uh, hanging. <laughs> In the bank, no, no. Raheem Mostert, man, this guy. Even when he doesn't have a great, you know, yardage game, this guy finds the end zone naturally. I mean, what a fantasy league winner if you've got this guy late.
1: Yes, and someone who, uh, you know, I, uh, Tank uh, Bigsby for Jacksonville. Yes. I selected. I mean, I was sitting there the moment in fantasy draft when I picked Tank Bigsby instead of Rasheen Mostard. Mostert. We had Doctor Roto, who I absolutely love, and he was right on Laporta, but he was so wrong on Tank Bigsby because I picked Tank over over Mostert, and that was a disaster.
2: So going, uh, looking to the to probably the most anticipated game of the. Week. Dallas taking on Buffalo. And Buffalo's kind of in this weird spot where they, they're they not in the playoffs. They've been struggling when they shouldn't. And Dallas is riding this high where they're just blowing teams out. But we've seen the difference between Dallas at home and Dallas on the road, where all three of their losses are. Got one of those third losses or got their third loss at Buffalo. And this was a game where fourth loss. This is uh, a fourth loss. I'm sorry. Um this was a game where Josh Allen Didn't have to do that much, which is rare. We're used to seeing Josh Allen have to dominate, but this was a balanced run effort. Josh Allen didn't have 100 yards passing. Huge win, though. The Bills kind of just dominated and dictated how this game was going to go. I was really proud of them.
1: So the Bills had 20 uh, 20 first downs rushing. Now, this is a franchise that had O.J. Simpson, Thurman Thomas, this was the second most they've ever had rushing the ball. James Cook was unbelievable. 25 carries, 179 yards, one touchdown. And I like what Josh Allen said. Josh Allen says it's like being a part of a group project where you don't really do anything. You still get an A. <laughs> but if you look at their drives, they had a 12-play drive, 75 yards, it was seven minutes. 11-play drive, 86 yards, four and a half minutes. Another 11-play drive, 76 yards, five minutes and 35 seconds. Um, it was, at, they had five possessions that lasted more than five, five minutes long and just took that lead 21-3. They were up 31-3. I mean, that the Dallas scored at the end, but if the stats were just uh, crazy. I mean, Buffalo had, even with all those garbage points and that Dallas had, Buffalo had 28 first downs to Dallas's 14s, made Micah Parsons completely irrelevant. They were outgained almost double, 350 to 199, and uh, what a disaster for Dallas. And again, this is where prisoner of moment, they look good one game against the Eagles, and and everyone is criticizing Josh Allen. Oh, my, you know, Josh Allen this throws interceptions, has this problem. But remember, Joe Brady became the, you know, they, they fired Kent Dorsey. They they bring in Joe, Joe Brady. The Steelers made the same change offense coordinator. And Joe Brady was the architect behind Joe Burrow when that at, for the t- LSU Tigers when they had an amazing season, national championship, undefeated, that great offense with Chase and Jefferson and, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And that's one thing, you know, he knows how, people say, well, wasn't that a great offense? Remember how well Clyde Edwards-Hilaire played on the team? Yes. They ran the ball a lot. He was much better as a college running back than he's been as a pro running back. And that's why I like Joe Brady. And the only thing Joe Brady went to Carolina, which I think is that's the place where players and coaches go, go to, to die, die is yeah. Carolina because you go to Carolina and then your reputation gets hurt. Now he comes back to this, and suddenly, wow, this is amazing! Yeah,
2: Carolina is for a- Adam Phelan. Twilight of your career, uh, go off into the sunset. You don't want to be drafted or your first stop or to a be, be a yes.
1: Every coach there has these great reputations. I mean, they Matt just, take, Rule, yeah. I'm telling you, they're unbelievable. It's just it's amazing.
2: So, uh, Sunday night football, this was a big one, and I had this inkling. It was the only bet I made yesterday. It was on Baltimore, and maybe it's you know I've talked about how I I don't love Trevor Lawrence, especially in big spots on the show before, but this was another game where Baltimore just looked like this team could be in the Super Bowl, and you know at thirty one, uh, what was the final? Twenty three to seven, but it just it never looked like uh, it never looked like Trevor Lawrence was going to get anything going. It never looked like the Jags had a chance.
1: No, and it was like one of those games where So, but when, when these games were set, I said I'm going to go to the Dolphin game and I was like, how long would it take me to drive up to Jacksonville? Because I love going to two games in one day. I can see you doing that. It's a, a nice five, eight hour trip. It's a five hour drive up. And I'm thinking, well, the game doesn't start. I'm a slow driver. I'm not going to make it. It wouldn't work. And I said, I would have to meet, leave the Dolphins game around 2.30 or 3. So I, in my mind though, I'm like, should I leave? But they had just blown a 14 nothing lead, you know, 14 point lead the week before. I'm like, I better stay out for the second half on that. So I was thinking in my mind, do I want drive up to that. So I didn't go to that. But, you know, I certainly sort of like, I watched it. But, you know, the one thing about this game is when Trevor Lawrence, he had two terrible fumbles. One, when they were in the game and driving, he just drops the ball, which was just, in fumbles, it yes. was inexcusable. Untouched, just dropped. And the then in the second half, and then near the end of the game, when they still sort of had, it felt like they were semi, trying to get a drive, he drops the ball on that. And uh, it was, but Lamar Jackson had a pass in this game where he threw it a Lively, who's the tight end. It seems like, remember, Mark Andrews, their star tight end, he's out. They have, they're they down now to their third or fourth string running back. And and he threw it. He's scrambling around, gets hit Eli Manning style, like knocked around. Mm. And then he throws up to Lively, who goes up and catches it with two people all over him, which is just an amazing pass. But Lamar played great. When Lamar plays like this, you're like, wow. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah,
2: Likely's an incredible player, too. I mean, I, I feel like he'd be the number one on a lot of teams. Just happens to have Mark Andrews in front of him. But everyone who does fantasy, I tell him, when you draft Mark Andrews, take Likely in the last round because you know Mark <laughs> Andrews is going to miss some time. And he's got a very capable backup behind him. KC in New England. This was the first game ever. To get flex off of Monday Night Football. This was supposed to be the game tonight. Was it like three, four weeks ago they announced they were moving the Eagles in Seattle here? For good reason, New England is pretty terrible. One takeaway for me from this game, a 27 to 17 win for the Chiefs, is that maybe Mahomes finally has a number one in, in Rasheed Rice. It looks like they're building rapport. Nobody else is doing much besides Kelsey. If he can get Rasheed Rice to half of what he had with Tyreek Hill, could be another Super Bowl run.
1: The rookie from SMU and who started out, a lot of people drafted him early and then were disappointed when he's catching like one or two passes the first like two months of the season. But the last four games, eight, eight, seven, and nine, or the amount of passes that Rice has caught, he was. He was nine for ninety-one with a touchdown. This is huge. I mean, Kadarius Tony had a drop, but wasn't a drop. It was a drop which he kept juggling, and then became an interception. So, if you're Mahomes, you're getting intercepted. Kadarius Tony is. But uh, I felt like, look, this is this is you know, Bill Belichick would hope that he fights, plays Mike Tomlin every week because again, they look they look great against the Steelers, come back and have this terrible outing. And uh, you know, I thought the fans. You know, I'm reading about this, and they go, the fans boo Taylor Swift. Of course, she's he's rooting for it. They boo Tom. You know, some of them boo Tom Brady. Like, I was at the game when Brady came back, and like people were like, Oh, can you believe the fans? Of course, I believe in New England fans. Like, that's the craziest thing in the world. And of course, they booed uh, t- uh, t-
2: Taylor yeah, Swift. most. most Players like that get standing ovations when they return home. <laughs> I just,
1: like, what, they expected. But there was a good video of uh Kelsey walking in the stadium and there's this big life-size thing, or not life, but super up uh, a poster of her that's mm-hmm. there and he just like looked right up at it. I thought that was pretty cool. And there's also
2: that, a video of her letting out a huge F-bomb from the,
1: um, the booth when
2: Kelsey <laughs> doesn't get have a call go his way. Great what the uh, cameras can catch there. 49ers in Arizona. And this one had me a little bit worried. Tyler Murray's looked Pretty decent since since he came back. He can put up some points. I know the 49ers are the best team in the league, but I was worried that ah, 14 points, that's a lot. They started off a little slow, the 49ers, and then they turned into the 49ers. And, man, this team, with Brock Purdy playing the way he is, and McCaffrey, which is arguably the MVP of the league. He won't get it, but arguably is. Who could beat them? I, I don't know.
1: I'm driving home. And when Purdy got injured or knocked out, like the, when the announcer, when you see it on TV, it's one thing. When you hear it on the radio, it's like he's not moving. He hasn't moved. I'm like, oh my gosh! And like it's like and they don't give me, They go commercial when they come back and go, he's still not. You know, you're nervous. You're thinking this is okay. He's out for the rest of the game. But he did. He came back. 16 for 25, uh, 242 yards, four touchdowns again. And then Christian McCaffrey, just another amazing game. 115 yards rushing with a touchdown. Five catches for 72 yards. He has almost 1300 yards rushing. For of the season, 13 touchdowns, 60 passes, another seven touchdowns, but Debo Samuel had two touchdowns, Iuke played a good game, Kittle, it's the, everything works with this team, amazing, and uh, the only one thing I'll say about, we are talking about McBride, the tight end for Arizona, is he just amazing, it's came his out second of nowhere. year, he had another 10 catches for 102 yards, he's emerging as one of the if, if like two or three top tight ends in the league, and no one knows who he is.
2: No, yeah, he came out of nowhere, Didn't, not even at the beginning of the season, this was like week five, he just got thrust into, into the lineup, and now he's just unbelievable, and with two different quarterbacks too. It wasn't all with, with Kyler Murray. He's been doing it with everybody. You want to talk about this MVP debate for a second? Because growing up, it was a rushing league for me. I grew up in the late '80s, '90s. It was a rushing league, and you almost expected running backs to get him because someone would have a, oh, you know, there'd be almost a two thousand yards. It'd be that guy ran away with it. Now it's a, it's pretty much a quarterback award. Me and you would both give it to McCaffrey or Tyreek Kill if the season ended today. But we know that's probably not going to happen.
1: I still think McCaffrey has a chance, and I like what Purdy said. Where Purdy said, "I think it should go," because I think going into this week's game, everybody had Dak getting it. you lose a lot, you have a loss like Dak had. That you texted you me down. During, during the Cowboy game. Dak MVP. Right, no, market. it's not happening. But that remember, I went. It was two years ago when Brady played, and they were playing New Orleans, and Brady was the favorite, and he lost. He got shut out at home. I was at the game. He got shut out, and suddenly Rodgers passed him. So if you have a bad, you cannot. Ha- you can have a bad game the first five weeks of the year. Nobody will ever forget about that. You have a bad game. Now you're, you're out of the, the mix, but it's interesting. I went to some research on the MVP awards. It used to be like AP, pro football writer, sporting news. It's like Joe Carr Trophy, the Jim Thorpe Trophy. Like there was all these different trophies, so there wasn't really one MVP, and you had multiple players getting this MVP award. In 2003 it was the last time it happened. Peyton Manning and Todd McNair, they both uh, they uh, they both uh, were were AP, and then Jamal Lewis also. Steve McNair, sorry, Steve McNair and Jamal Lewis, they all won the MVP. But since 2009, just AP and the pro football writers. Uh, Lawrence Taylor was the last defensive player to win in, in 86, but then in, in terms of running backs, Marshall Falk won it in 2000, then they had quarterbacks for another like uh, four years. Then Sean Alexander, who people don't remember, from Seattle had an amazing year that year. He won it, and the next year, LaDainian Tomlinson won it, and then they had another run of four quarterbacks, but the last running back was Adrian Peterson in 2012 when he had his amazing year. But since then, it's been quarterbacks, but I think if there's ever a year to give it to either Hill or McCafferty, I think it's, this is the year. I think, And I think the fact that Purdy is it's been like he said, McCaffrey is the MVP. Give it to him. He's not like campaigning for himself. So I think, I think McCaffrey should get it or Hill. I think depending on what happens at the end of the season.
2: This is Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Rodney Orr from the Tighter Insider joins us in about 20 minutes at 740. Follow Ira across social media at Ira on Sports. Let's go back to Thursday night, Ira. And it finally happened. And me and you have been pontificating over this for over a year now. When is Brandon Staley, the Chargers coach, going to get fired? All it took? Was allowing 63 points to a team that scored zero the week before that in a three nothing game. You're a defensive coach, most expensive defense in the league, let up 63 points to the Raiders. You're you're out the door.
1: Remember last year, about a, 13 months ago or whatever it would have been, I was at or less than that. I was at the uh, Jacksonville game when the Tandy, when the Chargers, the LA Chargers, blew that 27 nothing when they blew that lead. I'm like, he's got to be fired after that. How mm-hmm. do you blow a you lead think- like that? And now and, and he wasn't fired. And so <laughs> you're like shocked that that happened. But he really and that, not only that, they fired the GM.
2: Do you think is gonna be who do you think will be the next coach here? Because there's a lot of names getting thrown around, Bill Belichick's name has been thrown in the mix. I don't think that's gonna happen and I do think you have to go with an offensive guy, try to get Herbert, you know, to his max potential. Who could you see landing there?
1: Uh, you know, everyone's asking that question. I mean, the, Harbaugh, the fact they're is... They're a
2: notoriously that, cheap family, they say, the so I,
1: I think you're finding an offensive coordinator. I think they'll just go an offensive coordinator. Now, remember, Brandon Staley was a defensive coordinator. He, he's weird. You know, it was, he's 41 years old. He was the Bears linebacker coach for two years, the Broncos linebacker coach for a year. And then in 2020, he was the Rams defensive coordinator. And then suddenly, he's the coach of the... I mean, he really just... He, in, in college, he wasn't even a big name. He was a graduate assistant. If you look at his resume, John Carroll University, James Madison University... So it's really just that one year with the Rams where people felt like go with him, and I, I thought he didn't really, you know, deserve the job at all, and uh, just just terrible. But it, this this game against the Raiders, I mean, considering the Raiders scored zero points the week before, and then they come back this week and they score it was forty two to nothing at halftime. Like I looked at it, I'm like, what is it twelve nothing? I couldn't, you know, see the four, and they're like mm-hmm. that's the craziest thing in the
2: world. It's, I love those games when you you go to the bathroom and you come out and you're like, how did fourteen points get scored? It was three minutes. It's like, what just happened here? Antonio Pierce might be playing himself into a job here. And the way, you know, the mishandling of Rich Bassania uh, two years ago, when they let him walk after doing great, bringing in McDaniel, that being a disaster, you think maybe Mark Davis is like, maybe I should keep this guy that I, you know, kind of thrust into the job and he succeeded? Maybe.
1: I mean, it's it's funny with the Raiders. I, they just seem to have, I mean, there's so much excitement. And, of course, the arena and everybody is just, it, it's, a, it's an atmosphere. It's a game. I don't know. I think the players seem it was like it's it's up and down. Last week was terrible. This week was great. So we'll see what happens. I think finally, I think he's I think he's coaching for his job these final three weeks.
2: I, I know we knocked uh, Carolina earlier, but I had a buddy ask me a few weeks ago, "What do you think's the worst run franchise in the, in the NFL?" And I said the Raiders. I mean, this team they just constantly shoot themselves in the foot at, at every turn. I'm sure if they hire him, it's going to be a bad choice, and if they let him go, he's going to go win a Super Bowl somewhere else. It's just how things go with them. Minnesota and Cincinnati, and this was one. The starting, starting a QB matchup, not the most exciting. Uh, Minnesota, I guess, the honeymoon with Josh Dobbs is over. They put Nick Mullins in. This game was a nail-biter, though. Ended up being a good one.
1: But, you know, the only thing exciting about this game was that it was going to be the reunion of all the players because Justin Jefferson played at LSU, Jamar uh, Chase played at LSU on that same great LSU team, and Joe Burrow played at LSU. So you could add that great LSU team we talked with, Joe Brady, you know, as the offensive coordinator at Oregon, as the, or, Aronian, as the uh, coach, but... They weren't, you know, he was not there, and Brady was coaching for Buffalo, but nobody was in the game in terms of a Chase gets hurt, Burrow's out, but Jefferson did play, but Jordan Addison played really well for them, but it came down to the to the final end where Cincinnati was able to kick a field goal over Minnesota, and this was big for Cincinnati because Jake Browning has played well. I mean, some of these backup quarterbacks have not played well. Browning has come in and actually done fantastic, and I saw him against when the Steelers played, he had 324 yards and two touchdowns. Now he's 3-1 and one as a star quarterback for the Bengals.
2: So Denver had been... Cruising, I believe they were six and one in their last seven games, playing great. And Detroit is coming off its worst loss of the season. People are starting to say, you know, Detroit's not what we thought they were. This is not a team that has any kind of NFC Championship, let alone Super Bowl, um, Super Bowl potential. I thought that this game was going to be close. I, I was not anticipating Detroit coming in and just uh, but mopping. But you're not
1: solo Detroit. You're not in Detroit. Der-
2: yeah, no, you're right. I'm, I'm not. But I, I think they're good. I think they can beat teams. I just thought Denver playing so good, their defense has been great. And then just all of a sudden it's not. And and Jared Goff and, and the crew are, are you know beating you up.
1: Well, uh, Detroit lost two of the last three. Denver won six out of the last seven. And you could just see, you felt like, I thought it was... Uh, Denver was winning a lot of their games with causing a lot of turnovers. Fumbles, like fumbles that really don't happen maybe because they weren't hitting so hard, but they seem to be getting lucky in these wins and and I guess their luck ran out in this game and that's why Detroit. But uh, you like Sam Laporta, the tight end for Detroit. And now that we talk about these tight ends, so many of these tight ends have been fantastic. He's a rookie, three touchdowns in the game and Amon St. Brown was good. But Jared Goff had five touchdowns passing. So this was a good Jared Goff game. But it's important. You know, if you look at the Lions since 1957, 1957, They've only had one playoff victory. So now they're positioning themselves to win the division, get in the playoffs, and see what happens. So, um, But also, Detroit is 4-0 at night. They beat Kansas City, Green Bay, Vegas, and Denver. So they're good. If they ever get in the playoffs and have one of those night games that plays, <laughs> then you know to do for be them.
2: We petitioning the league. Yeah. Look at that Saturday night game, yeah. guys. Um, Steelers and Indy. And this is your Steelers. And it just seems like things just are not going right this season, to, to say the least. And now, I guess... Trubisky's going to be benched in favor of Mason Rudolph going forward. They announced today. Either way, rough loss to it. Not Some very. Some people forget team. that
1: Mason Rudolph's still on the team, but there's no Kenny Miles He's Garrett still doesn't. hurt, and uh, it's just. I mean, there's the Steelers. They were six and three. They weren't playing well, but they're like right Tomlin. They're putting it together. They're doing it with Mears, but now they're one and four. They've lost at the last five games. They're one and four. They've lost Arizona, New England, Indianapolis, the Browns. They only beat the Bengals. Then the Colts now. With <laughs> Gardner Minshew has won five out of six. Uh, just a disaster. I mean, the Steelers in this game, they usually get to start out slow. They were up 13 nothing on a block bun. And I'm like, I was coming back from Miami listening to this and I'm like rushing back because I want to get back at the storm. And I'm like, I cannot believe the Steelers are up 13 nothing, And they missed an extra point, which is crazy. And then the Colts, you know, scored a touchdown and then Cherblitsky threw a horrendous pass. I mean, just the pickins—it was just, it was absolutely pathetic. And then the Colts uh, drove down and this is where Kazee, who is one of their quarterbacks, the hit he had on Michael Pittman was on what I saw, Vicious. like I screamed before it was even like I saw like a missile going through. He's going, and then he hit him, and Pittman doesn't move. And I'm like, this is terrible. They go to a commercial. They don't even show the replay. You have to go. But Pittman got up, and then you know was was okay. F was amazing. But now we find out because he is now because this is his fifth uh, unnecessary roughness penalty. He's been fined sixty thousand dollars. He's now suspended the rest of the year. They I've never seen this before. Yeah, they took him out for the rest of the year. But the Steelers, then up Fitzpatrick got hurt, and uh, this is the point where then the Colts went down, and Montgomery, they're back wide receiver. He got the one yard line. They threw it right in and he got it and he dropped it. And then the Steelers punt. But then they came back and it was 14, 13 at halftime. And you're like, okay, this are still in the game. They're still in the game. But Najee Harris like fumbles the first play in the second half. Then the Colts go down and make it 21, 13. They just kept driving down. And then the drive that everyone that the Steelers fan is talking about is they had a 15 play, 70 yard drive, nine minutes, 13 straight runs. It was unbelievable Converted. They kicked a field goal on this, but it was like they just were running up the middle, and the Steeler, the vaunted Steeler curtain, just, just let him go. They had like third and four, third and five, and they're like, just running up the middle, running up the middle, getting the first down, and then Trubisky threw another interception, so it was a total disaster. But the Colts, I mean, the score was 30 to 13, but the Colts had 10 possessions for the game, made two, three field goals, missed two field goals, two touchdowns, dropped up one pass in the end zone, so they really could have scored like 50 points in this game. Disaster for the Steelers. This is, they if they lose next week, it's over. Like they lose to the Bengals, they're finished. And some people but you know, it's a really this would be the first and this could be his first year where Tom has who had 16 years and not had a losing record, this could be the first Which year. Which is back.
2: remarkable in itself to go that long without being sub five hundred. I, I always will tout the, the drafting ability of the Steelers with wide receivers. They just find guys that are all pros in the third round. Things that other teams can't do. They've drafted phenomenal receivers for twenty years outside of heinz ward there's a lot of head cases in there and this is kind of like what we're seeing now with deontay johnson and george pickens like these guys just give up mid-play it's for a team that's supposed to be predicated on hard nose you know punch you in the mouth style these two guys don't fit it at all and they got rid of claypool as soon as he was having his internal issues and they just let it go with these two. It's kind of weird that you don't hear anything from Mike Tomlin about disciplining these guys. Well,
1: they're asking about it. But the play, this play they're talking about, is Pickens. They were driving down. DeAndre Johnson, in the Bengals game, the ball was on the ground. They didn't, no, didn't, didn't even run after him. <laughs> and in this game, you can see on some plays where they didn't even like try to even catch the ball. But on the one play where Jalen Ward is like battling, and he was going to score a touchdown, but Pickens is standing there and doesn't even block, doesn't even try to block. And I guess Ben Rotzenberger was live screening and said, D.O.S. George, you could just... Block like your guy that Warren would have scored, and it was clear when they showed the replay. And it's, it's it's amazing. It's indicative of the entire team. You know, I think as I said, there's the I think the offensive line surprisingly is playing well for the Steelers. It's been a problem for so long, and Warren is running hard. Harris had that bad fumble, but he's running hard. But it's just the quarterback play is a disaster, and this wide receiver play between. I don't. I would not be surprised if Johnson and Pickens are both gone next year. Not I, I don't think People keep asking about Tomlin. He's not going. Like the Steelers. No. The Steelers kept Chuck on. they The Steelers are will not let Mike. Tomlin is the coach for a number of years. Like it's, this is not, it's, it's stupid. To we even need it. to
2: see three and 14 seasons yes. for Mike Tomlin's it, job to be in trouble. It's this not, is not, it's, it's
1: just yeah. not going to happen. The Steelers have had since my lifetime, in my lifetime, no coward. Tomlin, three coaches, and yeah. I'm not young.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, Tampa Bay and Green Bay, and this was one Battle of the Bays, Baker Mayfield quietly putting together a pretty impressive season after he'd be casted away.
1: Well, I, this is one where I knew, I'm telling you, I thought, everyone's talking about Green Bay and Jordan Love, and I was there at that Steelers game, and I said, the Steelers beat, if the Steelers beat you, you're not good. And that, so, <laughs> I saw the Steelers, I'm like, I don't I don't see it, I don't see it out of them, and I thought Baker was playing great, and uh, that was a big win for them. Baker was 22-28, almost 400 yards, four touchdowns, but this is how like, the third straight year Baker Mayfield has played at Green Bay, with three different teams. He played with the Browns, <laughs> the Ravens, and now Tampa. So he's like the designated quarterback to come in there and
2: play. You're the only person who's been to Tampa Bay games more than <laughs> Baker Mayfield. That's not on the team. 732, it's Ira on Sports True channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, Radney Orr, Titer Insider, joins us here in about eight minutes. Chicago and Cleveland. And this one was a little bit of a weird one to me. Browns get the win, but I think the conversation today, especially as Chicago continues to lose... They're not going to have a number one pick. They traded it to um, Carolina. Uh, no, Carolina. Uh, so yeah, so they have the, they the have two, they have two, two. Yeah, two of the top picks. Making the decision on Justin Fields, it, the locker room is behind him. DJ Moore is, is out saying, "This is our quarterback." There's no, you know, we can't get anybody better than this. I don't know. I think it's starting to shift there in the front office of the Bears. Like, well, it's, you know, it's time to time to reset the deck here.
1: I love watching like Dan Orlowski and some of these other people today when they analyze like what they were doing. I guess Mark Sanchez was on talking about it. It's like he had 40 plays that weren't like third downs or whatever. that And they, it, it, there was a number of positions where he passed like 85% of the time. It's like if you have Justin Fields, like use him to run the ball, move the ball that way. Like he's like, it's almost like he should be in the Atlanta offense. Like he's perfect. I think Justin Fields to Atlanta makes perfect sense. And maybe it's best for him to go to- Atlanta to work in Arthur Miller's offense in terms of have Bijan Robinson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts, and just have that ball control type of offense, which it seems like that fits him better because he's going to have he's a great runner when he runs, he's amazing, but I think he he, he can throw. I mean, you know, that, the Hail Mary, they almost won the game on the Hail Mary at the end of the game, which is perfect. Which Moody was lying on the ground, it hit him in the stomach, and he and he dropped it. And uh, but Joe, story is also Joe Flacco, almost four hundred yards, two touchdowns. What a what a performance he comes in he was like, you know, mowing his lawn, eating and living in his. <laughs> parents house whatever He comes out and he's now always won two games
2: in a row so one thing I'm glad I didn't bet uh, Giants taking on the Saints and I'm a very pessimistic Giants fan I never think we're gonna be be very good or as good as Giants fans think but I thought that they were gonna hang close with the Saints here just had a feeling about it Tommy Cutlets is lighting the world on fire Giants did Giants things, looked horrible again, no, no offensive line play is just as bad as the Jets, 24 to six, the final for the Saints. Yeah,
1: bad, I mean, it's like the Giants and the Jets. It, it, as I said, remember we are talking, I was in the Hamptons this summer, and all my friends, Jets and Giants thought, oh, this is the year, it's gonna be great, it's gonna be this uh, World Super Bowl between the two New York teams, yeah, okay. you know, like, in Vegas, isn't that gonna be great? I'm like, I don't think that's gonna happen, but you guys are, I mean, I guess I, New York fans just think it's like they're right. I mean, it, it, as much as they get pounded in the head, they, they just keep thinking it's going to be positive. Whereas other fans are like, they could be like 10-0 or 12-0. Like, it's going to be terrible. Things are going to happen. The, I think the New York fans somehow are optimistic, are overly optimistic.
2: It, it happens every year at the Mets. So this is not uh, not an uncommon occurrence. Um, Atlanta and the Panthers, you want to talk about this one. This was an ugly game, went down to the wire. But the Panthers get their second well, win of the season. Well, this is
1: a bad loss for Atlanta. We you know we talked about at the beginning of the season how excited we were with Atlanta. Now, maybe Arthur Miller is not going to be at this job because I'll tell you what, they uh just a disaster because Atlanta and Tampa are all battling for that playoff. And New Orleans are all in it, and that's a bad loss. You're playing this is, should be a free game when you play the Panthers, and you lose that, so that's terrible.
2: Uh, Rams had to take on Washington. Washington defense is just terrible. Rams got them win twenty eight to twenty.
1: Well, you know the Rams are playing themselves in the playoffs. Stafford is playing well. He's staying healthy. Kyron Williams is a beast. Oh, one of them is great. They, they're one of those teams that if they make the playoffs and they get going, they could pull. Like you got to see where the playoff seedings are. Say they play Detroit in that first in that first. That's round. the ideal matchup. They yeah. might be Detroit. It's it's like a matchup game where I think the Rams could win a not going to go to the Super Bowl. Look, there's there's three teams that could go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. The Rams are not one of them, but they could pull that one. I think one one. You
2: think it's San Francisco. <laughs> so. um, Texans and Titans, and this is one CJ Stroud's not playing. The Titans are just the ugliest team to watch in the league. This game was ugly as a result, but this was one where the Titans were in a position to win this game, and next thing you know, the Texans are, are, are getting this one, keeping themselves well alive in the playoff line.
1: You know what? So I like... Everyone asks, like, after the game, what I do. So when I go to the Dolphin Cave, I sit on the side between, like, the 30s. There's the Lexus Club. So when the game is over, you can go in, and they have all the games. And it's so fun to go in there and watch and see, like, you can you follow on your phone, like, what games are close. And you go down there, and then you're all like, everyone, and they let people, they're nice. They let people there for, like, an hour after the games. So you can sit there and watch the games. And, what everybody was into that Texans-Titans game because it came down in the final play. So I thought that was really good when the Texans won. But that was, uh, it was just, it was good. You know, the Titans are a bad team, but they play hard it seems like every single game. You saw what they did against the Dolphins last week. They fight and Vrabel like it's one, like it's one, Vrabel's record is five and, is five and nine. He's not going to, no one thinks he's going to get fired. No. Like it just, He's not because his team plays hard. He doesn't have talent and, and it seems like the team just is always in every game.
2: No, they always are and they play defense. They can run the ball. They just can't win ever. <laughs> uh, where do we stand here as we, as we get closer and closer to the playoffs? Because I know there's like nine
1: teams can make it in the NFC. Yeah, I mean it's, the AFC is Miami's at 10 and 4 and Buffalo's at 8 at 6. The Ravens have their division semi-wrapped up with two games over the Browns and Jacksonville but how about Jacksonville the Colts and Texans are all tied at 8-6 and, and Kansas City's at 9-5 Denver 7-7 seven and seven. Now remember there's four teams that win division and three wild cards which could be like I think it's probably the Bills the Browns and maybe the Colts or Texans someone from that group I mean the Steelers is seven, 7-7 seven. I mean they're they're looking they're, they went from being like the fifth seed you know the second seed to our sixth seed to now like they're in the 11th seed position to get in there but it looks like you said Miami you know come down the game for the number one seed between the Miami Drivers, where only one team gets a bye, the NFC... The Eagles still have it. Now tonight's game is important. They win this game, they stay ahead of the Cowboys. They'll take. You know, they're going to be the uh, number two seed, and the 49ers at 11-3 would be the number one seed. But that one division I talked about: Tampa seven and seven, New Orleans seven seven, Atlanta six and eight, and then you still have for the wild cards the Minnesotas, the Green Bay's, the Rams. You know, all those. In the, you're right. All those teams in the mix. Very few teams are totally eliminated. But you almost can have a sense that the 49ers will have the one seed, the Cowboys win, the Eagles will have the two seed, the, the Lions will have the three seed, and. And Dallas will have the five. You, you could almost see what the NFC is almost, and you, the six and seven could be anybody, but you're almost, how that's going to work out, that the Cowboys are going to, the Cowboys could have, they were looking almost at having the one seed when they're playing San Francisco, and now they're down to the five seed.
2: Um, let's go to Monday Night Football tonight. And this is one, <clears throat> it was really hard to get a grasp on all day because we don't know what's going on with the quarterback situation. Is Drew Locke going to play? Is Jalen Hurts um, is Jalen Hurts healthy? Looks like they're both going now. They're saying Hurts and Geno Smith are both in. I don't know what capacity, if they're 100% or not. I, I'm, I'm like having struggling to to pick this game because I want to get a bet in. Matt Patricia is calling the plays now. He was uh, just an assistant or like an advisor to the team. He's now calling the plays on defense for the Eagles. So I really don't know what to expect or what to take in this game. I would take the Eagles if I had to, but I'm not so, not super confident.
1: Well, I tell you this, you know, when the Eagles lost, they lost some free agents, but when they lost their coordinators, people said that's going to be a big deal. Yeah,
2: Shane Steichen to the Colts is and Gannon, obviously a big and Gannon yeah. on the
1: offensive side, and Gannon went on defense to the uh, uh, to the Arizona Cardinals, and you can. Start to see what's happening. it. their defense has been amazing, uh, but terrible. I mean, they—they're they're they're,
2: bottom five in the league in defense,
1: and with the talent they have, I mean, they have the whole Georgia defense. So it's like <laughs> ridiculous that what's going on. And I—I I think that Patricia taking over this defense is going to help a lot. Like I think that I think Philadelphia's going to win this. I think it had change had to be made, and uh, and they and they, I think it was the coordinator was Sean Asia was was his name, but uh, they got rid of it. They, and he's supposedly he's not even wasn't even allowed in the meetings this week. Like they they keep him on as defensive coordinator in name only, and they. Didn't even I mean, I yeah, the just firing again. The so <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to fire over. It's nothing like that. But I, I think, look, I this is good. I'm excited for this game. I, I think it's going to be very good because Seattle at home. It's going to be, you know, the weather. It's going to be like I saw it was like 42 degrees. I'm excited for this. I think it will be good. But I think the Eagles will win. So I think the Eagles are favored by three and a half. I would say give the points though. Yeah, I
2: hate three and a half on the road, like giving the home team three and a half points. But sometimes you got to do it. We're just about a minute away from uh, Rodney Orr here from the tighter Insider.
1: What are we watching next week? Some really, really big games. I love this time of the year. Yeah, this uh, is a good. Time. This is. I mean, because every team is playing for something. It seems like you got some teams Saturday games. You got Thursday. Yeah. You, thir- you got Thursday. The New Orleans at the Rams. You got Saturday. Bengals Steelers Buffalo Chargers. And then Sunday, you got a, a bunch of games. And then Monday, you have three games too. So you have you have Thursday Saturday Sunday and Monday games all the time. Dallas, Miami, I'll be at that game. What a game. I mean, that's amazing. I can't believe it. I'm them. very intrigued. And a lot of people are, like, think Dallas is going to bounce back in this. I don't know about that. I'm sort of on the Miami bandwagon in that game. And then certainly on, on Monday, Baltimore at San Francisco, that's the game everyone's going to be talking about. Even though Baltimore could lose, as, as important as this game is for Baltimore, if they lose and beat Miami at the end of the year, then it doesn't really matter. So this is one game that they can actually afford to lose. But Baltimore at San Francisco, and 49ers are favored by five and a half points. So that shows you if Baltimore is the best team in the AFC and it's going to be a Super Bowl preview and they're a five and
2: a half point favorite right now so. yeah it goes to show you how, what the league and the, and the betters in Vegas uh, think about those San Francisco 49ers I do think we have Rodney Orr on the line Rodney you there I am here Rodney we appreciate you joining us Ira what do you have for Rodney
1: Wow, Rodney. I, I there was a part of this year where, you know, I you're a tighter insider from who has the tighter insider from Alabama. I said, Boy, we're not gonna have Rodney at the end of the season where, where <laughs> there's nothing to talk about because I didn't really think that you lost the Bama loses to Texas 34-24. They looked horrendous against South Florida in a game I think that took like twenty hours to play because of rain delays. Uh Mirro was benched, and then they actually saved their season and now they're in the college football playoffs. It's a what a what a it's an un-Alabama roller coaster ride this season.
0: Yeah, it's been one of the more dramatic turnarounds, I think, you know, certainly since Nick Saban's been here in the season, the way they've, you know, as you mentioned, you detailed it right there, the way they started the season. I I think, well, actually, I remember standing outside uh, after the Saban press conference at Bryant-Denny Stadium the night of the Texas game thinking, you know what, Uh, this could be an Alabama team that loses two, three, maybe even four games. Oh, my gosh. It it was it really didn't look good. And then after the South Florida game I'm sitting here thinking, Well, you've got a tough stretch of SEC games coming up. You've got Old Miss, you've got Arkansas, you've got Texas A and M on the road, you know, you've got L S U, uh, you've got Auburn on the road. This is a really real gauntlet. So to think that they could have lost two more games after you know, that, that South Florida game, watching that game that you said seemed to last 20 hours, well, here in Tuscaloosa, it seemed like it lasted about four or five days. <laughs> I mean, I'm just telling you, that was one of the wor- maybe the worst performance in the Nick Saban era, certainly close to it. But the turnaround's been dramatic, and I think a lot of that, uh, a good portion of that's been Jalen Milrow. Uh, you know, he's, he's really had a fantastic uh, stretcher. A run of the season, and uh, you know, hopefully that'll continue in the playoffs.
1: You know, and the close games, the A and M game, they're down seventy ten at halftime. The Arkansas was was close. I mean, the way that Alabama is able to pull out these games, and of course, nothing could be more crazy than the Auburn game, which was the miracle at the end. It's like Jalen Milrow. It's like he might look bad, he might some plays, might throw some really awful passes, but his ability to come up and make those big plays when it counts, and use his feet and run, extend the plays, just amazing. He really is a, a you know someone who, right in the moment. One of these games has played his best football
0: no doubt no doubt I mean I go back to the Texas AM game or you could go to the Ole Miss game when he looked really bad in the first half he threw another horrible interception in the first half in the end zone and just you thought you know what he's just not going to get it I mean he's already thrown three horrible interceptions he threw two against Texas and he he's thrown this one and then all of a sudden the second half he comes out Early in the second half, he hits Jermaine Burton for a bomb and has a great second half, hits Jalen Hill on a big touchdown throw. Uh, Then the Texas A&M game, he starts off with a – a big throw to Isaiah Bond for a touchdown, but he struggled for most of the first half. Then all of a sudden they go to this short passing game in the second half. He starts gaining confidence, and then all of a sudden he can start making those throws down the field. He's starting to make the throws all over the field. Uh, then then he kind of just grew from there a little bit. You know, it, yeah, he had his ups and downs throughout the season. Uh, we we saw that in many games. But how about that Tennessee game? You're down 20-6 to six at halftime. Alabama gets the ball to start the second half, and I'm thinking now this game could possibly uh, get out of hand in the second half. I mean, you know, you're really wondering, is this season about to really slip away from Alabama? And then two plays, Alabama goes like 75 yards. Uh, They have a 29-yard run by Jace McClellan, 46-yard touchdown pass from Mill to Isaiah Bond, and guess what? Alabama rolls from there. They win at 34-20. It's kind of been the type of season it's been.
1: Yeah, and then the Georgia game. I mean, to go in there, and I was down in Atlanta for that, and, you know, even the Bama fans were nervous. They're like, oh, my gosh, this could be it. I know we always win. We never lose here, but you didn't know. And that first drive that Georgia had when they just went right down and made it 7-0, you're like, is this like 49-0 type of game? And then it all changed, and the Bama's up in 17-7 at the half. But I thought was really impressive is that when Georgia made that run in the fourth quarter, which they had in the past, you know, in the national championship game where they won it, where Stetson Bennett was able to come back, yeah. Melrose had those two drives that really, you know, solidified the game and just and sealed the game. He he played really well, getting those key first downs, completing some passes, and running for a couple first downs.
0: Yeah, he really did. I think probably no play was bigger than the one he had on a third and two in Georgia territory. I'm thinking it was around the twenty yard line, somewhere in there. And it looked like Georgia had him pinned and Alabama would probably have to settle for a field goal, and all of a sudden he flipped the pass. To Isaiah Bond, you know, just shovel it forward in the face of a defender, and it got the first down. Alabama goes on to score a huge touchdown. I mean, that uh, you know, I can't just overemphasize how, how big that play was to set up the touchdown. And you mentioned on the last drive, you know, Georgia keeps coming back, and it's 27 24. Alabama gets the ball with like 2.52 left in the game, and you're thinking, uh oh, you know what? You got to get at least a first down, drain some clock, get two first downs, the game's over. And Milrow makes a big run on first down, like 30-something yards, like 30, 40 yards. Then, you know, he makes another big run, and Alabama just milks the clock. It's over. Uh, so, yeah, I mean they made some big plays. Listen, here's what I think, Ira. If Jalen Milrow will cut loose with his legs, not be indecisive, take off, make the defense, uh, put them on their heels, because this guy is a special talent running the football when he cuts loose, when he cuts loose. And if he'll do that, uh, it's going to make his passing even that much better. And, you know, the thing is, it's just sometimes he's reluctant to pull the ball down. He wants to throw it. He wants to hang in the pocket. He wants to be a pocket passer. But, you know, when you have that kind of talent, uh, the pressure you can put on a defense when you'll pull it down and run it. You know, you don't have to do it all the time. But, you know, if you use your legs enough, Uh, you're going to be a real, real headache for for these defenses and defensive coordinators.
1: And you hit the nail on the head because if you look at Michigan's two big wins on the air, now a lot of the critics say Michigan had no big wins, but if you look at Kyle McCord and Drew Aller, the Penn State quarterback Drew Aller and Kyle McCord, not known as the running, explosive running quarterbacks, and they were able to defeat those because they were really just more drop-back passes. So someone who's going to run, they really were never pressured with someone who was going to run the ball. Um, But I just want to talk about, you know, it's so funny. We talk about Alabama and and all these uh, wide receivers in the NFL. It's like almost every team has an Alabama wide receiver. But this year, it's not like the wide receivers are that great. It's not like the running backs are that great. It is it is a weird type of team that you don't look at. There's their running backs wide receivers like, oh, yeah, these are all going to be starting the NFL first round draft picks or that type of thing. Yeah,
0: I think some of that is just development. Uh, some of them are still young. I think Jermaine Burton's a really solid player. Again, he's not on the level of before. You're talking about Ruggs, Judy, Smith, uh, uh, Waddle. No, he's not. He's not he, he may be, a, maybe, maybe he could be on a really good day of John Mechie type level player. Uh, he's a good player. Uh, you know, but you're right. I mean, the, uh, Isaiah Bond is is still a growing player in terms of, but he's made a ton of big plays. He's got incredible speed. Again, look at all the big plays he's made this year. Made a lot against Georgia, had the big catch against Auburn. He's had a lot of big, deep balls that he's caught this year. Uh, you know, they've got some other guys that are really good, uh, you know, that, uh, uh, I think certainly are, are are you know good players, but I, I think they're going to get better. I tell you, the guy to really watch for, and I'm surprised that he didn't get more touches in the Auburn in the uh, the game against Georgia's Kendrick Law. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's a really versatile player. He's kind of like Debo Samuel, you know, in the NFL. He's a guy that he really doesn't look like a receiver. He's he's built like you know really stocky, uh, but he is a really good receiver. He's a good runner. He can do it all. In fact, the Alabama coach staff feels like he's the one guy they have. That if they had to line him up at tailback, he could do it. If they had to put him in the shotgun at Wildcat to play quarterback, he could do it. And he could play H-back. He could play slot receiver. He could play wide receiver. He return kicks. There's nothing that the guy can't do. I mean, he literally can throw the ball as well. So uh, watch out for Kendrick Law. I think in this in these playoffs, I, I do think that you know they'll use him in a few different ways.
1: And you know the one thing about the Bama defense is a few years ago when they were just you know you couldn't score on them. This year they gave up a lot of points. There's a lot of scoring, but you know on those big defensive plays when they needed it, they came up with those plays. I mean Dallas Turner and you look at the drafts where the Mel Kiper came out, or Turner and Kool Aid. I love the name Kool Aid McKenzie. He was just tremendous. So they actually have some star players, but the defense was I wouldn't even say bend not break, but just like big plays when we. Really need big plays.
0: Yep, uh, they. You're, you're right. I mean, they they made a lot of big plays and uh, a lot of key plays defensively. Um, you know, uh, they, they were pretty good. They were they were pretty good. They they were a lot more sund- fundamentally sound than they've been probably since Jeremy Pruitt left. Maybe uh, that's been 2017 season. Um, I think a lot of that's Kevin Steele. You know, him coming back, I think T-Rob, Traverse Robinson, too, in the secondary, you know, he's got a lot of defensive coordinator experience. I just think they did a better job coaching on the defensive side, to be quite honest with you, uh, than than what they had done the last few years. Uh, Again, I I think the team, the players were more confident. They played faster. They seemed to have a better grip on what they were doing. They weren't out of position as much. And I think a lot of that, too, Ira, was this – Kevin Steele came in and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're not changing the system by any means, but we're going to change what we do in terms of communicating the system. We're going to make it simpler. When we send in a signal, we're not going to have a 10, 10 uh, word uh, translation that the players have to make. It's going to be two or three quick words, and, and then the players are going to know what they're going to do. So, you know, instead of trying to figure out, spend time figuring out what they're supposed to do now the players can get that signal they can relay it quickly communicate it quickly everyone's on the same page and you know, they're not sitting there at the snap of the ball, still trying to figure out what to do.
1: So, um, on January 1st, I'll be at the game in the Rose Bowl uh, in the San Bernardino Mountains. It's like 5.30 at the afternoon, maybe 6 o'clock. The sun's going down, and Will Reichert might have to kick a field goal. You know this game's going to be close, and you got to feel comfortable. The fact that you're having, you know, five year 5th-year senior, you know, made 20-23 to 23 field goals, 3-for-3 three three for 50 yards. If he's going to kick that field goal to advance you into the championship game – He's. You can't hope for anyone else but him, really, for that field goal.
0: Well, really, I hope it doesn't come down to that. I like (laughs) Will, and I I think he. I agree with you. I mean, he he can do it. Uh, He's guy you have a lot of confidence in. But, you know, hopefully, you know, Alabama can, you know, figure out a way to win that game a little more comfortably. But I'm not. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not predicting that. Let me be clear. That's just. That's just saying. Let's hope it's not that. But. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, it's, uh, Will Riker's a tremendous kicker. He's been a great player here. And, you know, they were fortunate he came back this season.
1: So that's great. Well, I'll tell you, Rodney, you can follow you on tight. How's the best way to follow you to get some information about Alabama? Because, I, again, it's, you're, just, you're a source of, of every player. You come up with these players. I, I remember I called you. We talked in the offseason and said, who's going to be the starting quarterback? And you, you said it's going to be Millro, even though it was a, a three-person competition for the job. So I, what's the best way to follow you online?
0: Well, I tell you, if you're an Alabama fan, com. it's only $48 a year. We've been doing this for 27 years in terms of tighterinsider.com. we were the first website, premium website to cover Alabama on, on the Internet that, that we're aware of. and uh, So we've been around a long time, been following Alabama football since 1968. So i uh, got a lot of uh, uh, understanding of, of the of the program. So if you're an Alabama fan, tighterinsider.com. It's only $48 a year. That's all our premium information, but also our all-sports form. That's our community of Alabama fans. I'm telling you, Ira, (laughs) we've got the greatest community of Alabama fans you could imagine.
1: Oh, I know. I was there at Georgia. You guys guys were louder than the Georgia fans. But, Rodney, thank you (laughs) so much for coming on Iron Sports. We really appreciate it. And, uh, Debbie, we'll talk to you before the national championship game. All
0: right, Ira. Appreciate it. Take care.
2: Always good stuff there with Rodney Or from the Tighter Insider here on Iron Sports. Only about six minutes to go here, Iron. You were able to get down, saw a, you know good friend of yours, Fran Dunphy, coaching at Miami. We you've never, well, not never, but since we've been doing the show six or seven years, I don't think you've ever gone to a Miami basketball game.
1: I've been, you? I've been there have for you? a game, yeah. But it's it's it, you know it is uh, it's it's interesting to go there in terms of. I just think I thought it was funny they announced a capacity of of like eight thousand. They said 6,400 fans were there. I think there was like fifteen hundred fans. Like there was no <laughs> way that was there, but. Uh, it was, it was fun. You know, Wuga Poplar is the player for Miami. He had some exciting dunks and everything, but it was, it's like one of those games where LaSalle came in and, and really almost pulled that upset uh, for that in Coral Gables.
2: They were trying to do it for you, Ira. They knew you were in attendance. But uh, Coach
1: Dunphy, and I want to congratulate me. Also, I didn't mention before, he had just won his 600th, 600th win. And Larry Negger, the coach of made me 733 wins. So it's pretty amazing. And Dunphy's coach, 17 years at Penn, was made it to the NCAA tournament, nine of the seventeen. And he coached 13 years at Temple and made it to eight more NCAA tournaments. So he's really had this great career. He's like the 42nd most winningest uh, basketball coach of all time.
2: So, Ira, I follow Golf Digest, golf.com. There, these are all over my social media feed. I see this ad or like a story about this joint venture between Justin Timberlake and Tiger Woods. And I know you're in New York all the time. I'm like, Ivor, you got to check out this
1: T-squared place. It looks like the coolest thing. You checked it out. We're not impressed. Well, I, I'm impressed by this. You walk, it's a huge bank building. It's it's actually an entire block. I can't believe the size of it. There's hardly very little tables. You call you you couldn't even get a table where the only one's sitting there eating at the table. It's they threw like card tables up. I, I it's I can't believe like, if you've been, people have been in the woods, I think we'll be disappointed. The yeah, woods food, is a great place. The woods is but it was just the food and the layout and everything was like it was like it'll be gone tomorrow. Like we're there today, it'll be gone tomorrow. But the simulators are unbelievable. There's five of them, and they're not golf simulators. They can do football, they can do soccer, and it's not virtual reality. You actually are throwing footballs to people. I have never seen anything like this in my life. So just go there for the simulators alone, and people were doing that, and I've never seen, like you have soccer balls, and people were kicking and playing soccer games against, it is the craziest thing I've ever seen. But everything else about it, it's like, you know, at 10 o'clock, we went, my friend went to order ice cream, and they said, we don't serve dessert after 10 o'clock. And I'm you like, what else, else would you, Order eat ice cream after 10 o'clock, and then they go. Well, we have a cake in the back, but we can't take the cake out. And like they're arguing, the general manager debating whether you are gonna have cake or not. And so my friend goes, "If Tiger Woods is here, I want a cake. Would you go get cake for Tiger
2: Woods?" Uh, Shohei Otani signed a contract that's going to make him wealthier than some of the owners in baseball, which is just kind of shocking. Yeah, we
1: had. We talked to Jeff Fletcher when it was announced on our show last week. We didn't realize the deferral. We mentioned there's going to be a lot of deferral. We didn't realize that everything was deferral. Yeah, two
2: million dollars a year. Two
1: million a year. Seventy. He's deferring sixty-eight million dollars a year. Now, for people who don't understand though. For the balance tax, it's still forty-six million, so yeah. it still counts against the tax, but it's been deferred. to the, like, "Why is he doing this? This is crazy." One of the reasons is when he's done playing in ten years, he would go back to Japan and won't have to play tax on it. So it's a tax avoidance issue in terms of that. It does allow them some flexibility to sign other. He makes their,
2: fifty million a year in endorsements, and he'll make now, over a hundred yeah, for
1: that. And we talked about how LeBron and those players. I'm surprised that the players' union doesn't make more of a deal. When A Rod was traded to the Red Sox, so when he never played the Red Sox, but he was traded to the Red Sox, signed the contract where he actually reduced. Some of his money. The players' association said, "No, you're not allowed to do that. We don't want that type of thing." And they actually had to invalidate that. That's so why he was then traded, bat traded to the Yankees. So I was amazed that the players' association didn't object to this because more if it pl-
2: wasn't for 700 million dollars, they may have.
1: <laughs> that could have been what what had But it's still it's pretty amazing. And 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 but you can see he's already you know and we thought he was going to go to the Dodgers, and I think the move to Toronto was just uh, whatever a move, maybe. But it seems I like, never thought he was going but, to Toronto. But he's doing everything. He's trying to recruit free agents, and he's going to be. And the ticket prices are skyrocketing. So I just thought we didn't know about the deferral, the amount. We heard deferrals, but we didn't realize it was 68 of the 70 million a year. I
2: forget what the stat was. I think the worst seat in the house for opening day at Dodger Stadium is like $480. Yeah. It's there's a lot just, of seats, like
1: yeah.
2: 60,000. <laughs> um, Yoshi Yamamoto, we might hear something about him this week. This is the next Phenom coming over from uh, coming from Japan he's 25 years old won three straight Cy Youngs they're saying uh, he could get a 13 year deal without ever pitching an inning in the major leagues and I'm sure Steve Cohen is ready to write, write that check yeah but I
1: think he, I'm telling you I, I I think he's going to the Dodgers I, think, I wouldn't be surprised at all I think Otani was supposedly in on the whole pitch that they did was involved in that you know what they used to, when they pitched when they tried to recruit Otani last time they, Kobe Bryant met, did a whole pitch to him and they used that again and he said that was his most moving thing was to hear Kobe you know, talk, you know in terms It was a taped, you know, before he passed away. But I thought that. But I think no. I think Otani was in on the pitch, spent hours with, and knows him. So I think that's the best recruiting to bring him into the Dodgers.
2: Yeah, absolutely, makes perfect sense. Um, This segment's called Ira Wrong. Unfortunately, I'm not going to drag you over this one. But I'm sure I wasn't the only person. Got a text uh, about 11:30 on, on, on Saturday morning, and I was saying I got two locks in college football: New Mexico State and Georgia Southern, both lost by 20. So.
1: Well, You're, twenty and twenty-seven. 20 it's like 27. not only did they lose, and they were down. It wasn't like they were. They was like the game was over in the first. I was yeah. so wrong. It's not. It's not like it, they just barely lost. And I told everybody this. I mean, I, people now are like, this is a disaster. They're going to banks trying to get money. I yeah, I put I, twenty I,
2: bucks on. It's not the end of the world. But I, yeah.
1: <laughs> I could not believe New Mexico, New Mexico State was a team that beat Auburn. And I figured they beat Auburn. I saw them play. They were fantastic. Their Fresno State didn't have their coach, their offensive coordinator. And I, I'm like, how do they lose this game? And like, they almost beat Auburn. Auburn almost beat Alabama. And Alabama was playing for the national championship. New Mexico State's going to kill Fresno State, and they did that. And then Georgia Southern, Ohio, Ohio had no players playing in this game. They were playing walk-on players. I don't know how Georgia Southern lost again, but I was, I still would bet them again. Even I was so
2: wrong. <laughs> Transfer portal is kind of like the Wild West now,
1: huh? Amazing. So Will Rogers, who was a four-year player starter at Mississippi State, is now going to Washington. Oregon is replaced, reloaded from Bo Nicks to Dylan Gabriel of Oklahoma. Riley Leonard, the Duke, the Duke quarterback, went to Notre Dame. Grayson McCall, who from Coastal Carolina, who is was great as at NC State. Miami quarterback Tyler Van Dyke is gonna be at Wisconsin. And Kyle McCord, who was Ohio State's quarterback, is now gonna start at Syracuse. So it's like and that's just some of them. I mean next week it's gonna be even more than that. So it's pretty exciting to hear all the movement of the quarterbacks. We talked about this, the fact that these they're getting NIL money and they're they're more you know see their fifth and sixth year seniors and these teams are like, I don't want to develop a freshman, I don't want to do a sophomore, we got to win right now. So that's why they're going in
2: it's crazy how how things have changed in just a few years. NBA in season tournaments in the books, Lakers have won Want it. I'm not sure anybody really cares.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think people did care. We t- sort of talked about it last week a little that, that I think if Milwaukee was playing the Lakers, I think would have made a difference. For sure. And I think that I think as we're getting into the season, I think people will start focused. Now the culture bowl is over. Um, Boston is fantastic. They're playing great. Tatum, Brown, Lillard, Borzingis, Derek White, and the Bucks. I think in the East, those are the only two teams that are going to come out of the East. And in the West, it's wide, wide open. And the team, I- I've been getting this question to everyone. It's like, what's the matter with the Warriors? Draymond Green, of course, gets suspended for attacking another European center. It seems like that's what he does all the time in terms of punching. His behavior is crazy. But the Warriors have problems with the fact that Klay Thompson has not played well this year. Andrew Wiggins was a crucial top, uh, part of the team. Almost was the best player when they beat the Celtics. I was there at the game. Could have been the MVP of the finals. He's been awful. absolutely terrible this year. And that's why they have their record. They're 11 seed. They're 12 and 14. But we have a long time to talk about the, the whole NBA. The Heat. Tyler Hero comes back this week. They're 15-11. They're sitting there. But I just—you just you just can't see the heat beating the Boston Milwaukee this year
2: it's gonna be an uphill battle for sure good uh, UFC card on Saturday night me and you were both watching I, I, I enjoyed it
1: yeah I don't know if I enjoyed it so much I was shocked I was looking for Colby Cunningham though, to do better against Leon Edwards uh, I, I felt that I just I'm not sold on Leon. Leon Edwards is someone who had two big wins against Usman who was supposedly this the greatest of all the great and he won he he upset him in an upset the first time and the second time he he then backed it up and won it again and Cunningham had lost to both Covington had lost both to Usman so it was, it was a weird type of fight I mean Edwards was the favorite but he dominated the fight and coming to I was waiting for coming to be more aggressive because he's known for being high energy Just did not bring it to that. And so Edwards is the middleweight is the ultimate champion of the world.
2: What's uh, What's your plans for this week?
1: Um, well, I could potentially go to the to the Steeler game, but i definitely am gonna go to Dallas Miami So 100% Dallas Miami on Sunday.
2: We are out of time. Thanks so much to Rodney war from the tighter insider He's Ira a mic. Let's talk next Monday night Ira on sports